Hey guys, hello, welcome hello. to the channel. Hey Mark. Hey Claire. Hey Mike. Hey honey. Welcome to hey. everybody joining us this fine Sunday afternoon. Hey, you know, Mike's got his computer on. We're going to just turn that off. Um, one of the things uh, we like to do at the beginning of every one of these episodes of uh, Scientology stories is just find out where you guys are commenting or watching or um, where you're uh, viewing us from today. Even if you're in the replay crew, you could still put it in there. We like to just see. Um, we get uh, from uh, YouTube, we get these things called analytics that shows what kind of devices people are watching on and all that good stuff. But um, but we like to engage with you guys and see where you're uh, in from. And sometimes we'll even uh, put them up on the screen when you guys uh, when you guys get in the comments there. Yeah, like yes. I see Portland, Oregon, Norway. Oh, I'm so glad someone from Europe is joining us. <laughs> yes. That's yes. great. Clearwater, Richmond, Virginia. Bristol, Pennsylvania, Philly, Wichita, Clearwater, Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my favorite, Clearwater. Uh, Not to be confused with Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> right. Northern Montana, northeastern Montana. Oh, I bet you it's a little chilly. Oh, look at that. Uh, Wollongong, Australia. South Wales. Do you know, um, speaking of those those um analytics that we get mark do you also have a whole bunch of people that watch your youtube channel from sydney yeah we did a we did an episode we did a a, a podcast actually a recap of the statistics of the blown for goods uh, podcast a week ago yeah and the two highest cities are sydney and um melbourne are those are there are two highest download cities out of all the cities in the world more than those los angeles two, more than los angeles i think was third place wow or wow. maybe even lower yeah there's cities that are very popular uh i don't know why podcasts are popular in that city or our podcasts are super popular in that city i don't know if it's just that's a because we're hollywood thing. fans that's why Collingwood, yeah. Where's my Collingwood gear? <laughs> I don't have my kit here. Sorry, folks, but I do have. Thanks to Doctor X, I have a jersey that is signed by the team and has my name on the back. I don't know how she gets those, but I got one of those, and it's pretty amazingly awesome. Me too. Me too. And I've got like seven different Collingwood caps. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Yeah, we have nice. the boys. So the boys definitely uh they scavenged through all the goodies that came in and they they scooped up all the good stuff before it got to me. <laughs> yeah, doc Dr. X even sent one of those hats for Serge Obolensky, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. that's very cool. Yes. Yeah. She is a well, she is a uh an amazing lady who I have no idea how she manages to do all the things that she does. When she said when she sent that email and said I have 4,000 or however many papers. tests to grade, papers to grade <laughs> in the next week. I'm like, 4,000? you got to be kidding me. You know what's right. crazy, Mike, is that the last two or three lives that she tuned in on, 
she was in a different place each time. So she was like, Hey, I just arrived in Vancouver. I'm glad right. I caught up. And then the next one was like, Hey, I just arrived in New York or some other place. Yeah. That I was just like, weren't you just in Vancouver? A few and, and she was in Boulder, Colorado for a day too. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Yes. Yeah. If we would have known, oh. we went, might would probably would have driven up there just to I say think, hi. Yeah. I think it was while we were out of town for a day. Oh. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I know I was like, oh my gosh. She was like, I waved to you as I flew over the Rockies. <laughs> well, we nice. should go visit her when we go to Brisbane. Yes. There we go. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. So I think we took care of all the goodies and all the people and all that good stuff. Well, we didn't take care of all of them. There were like a whole bunch more that, that piled in, but there's too many to read. Yeah. And I saw it, Christy's in the chat. Hi, Christy. Yeah, I saw Christy too. <laughs> Oh, and um, yes, and I saw uh, Love Food Kitchen, which reminds me that we that um, that person won a giveaway and said to to um, pay it forward to another person. So if we want to do a giveaway at the end, we have that. perfect. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. thank you for that. Okay, oh, you and guys. Apostate uh, Alex is here. Hi, Apostate oh, yeah. Alex. Oh. Hi, Alex. Okay, well, you know what? Let's at the end do a giveaway of this too, because I just got this. You can't even Ooh. buy it yet. Wow. It is the new paperback edition of my book with this afterword that has that I wrote that's sort of an update. And um they sent me the first copies yesterday. It come becomes available on the 13th of February. So let's give away one of these at the end, too. Wow, that's exciting. Amazing. Stay tuned, guys, if you want to get a chance to win that. (laughs) Nice. Okay, um, I think that the topic that we were going to talk about was the the sad passing of Ron Moss, the father of Elizabeth Moss, uh, Chick Corea's longtime manager, uh, good buddies and friends with Ron Miscavige Sr. for many, many decades. In fact, those two were like uh, two peas in a pod back in the 60s and 70s. They sound alike. They looked alike. They were were in a band together. They were making the uh, changing the world with music. And in fact, they were in England at the time when I first met the Miscavige family at St. Hill. Uh, Ron was there trying to make a record deal at the time. And with Ron Moss and the other people that were with them, um, and he, as Ron recounts and Ron Sr. recounts in his book, they were on the verge of getting a deal and then the Miscavige family all wanted to go back to the U S and he basically had to forego the record deal. They were going to be on the BBC. It was going to be like a real, the real moment of arrival of Ron Miscavige and his band. And it got sort of screwed up, but it was sad to see Ron Moss um, had, passed away uh and it reminded me of just how 
insane things can be inside the world of Scientology, uh, particularly when it comes to celebrities or the people around celebrities. And yeah. that the story of Ron Moss is, is like incredibly sad. Um, he, for many, many, many years, was Chick Corea's manager. 27 years. Yep. And um, he was like Chick's best friend and his, like, they, they were, he was like his sidekick. And they had been together for so long, they sort of finished each other's sentences. And I w- happened to be in Clearwater uh, dealing with the Lisa McPherson matter with David Miscavige and Marty and Shelley. And Marty Rathbun and Shelley Miscavige. Yes, sir. I'm just filling in the blanks for all the people that are just watching this for the first time and maybe don't know who Marty is. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yep. Um, In any event, what happened was it turned out that Chick was in somewhat dire financial straits. And he um, was living in Clearwater at the time with his wife, Gail. Um, And this came to the attention of David Miscavige. And as a result, David Miscavige brought Lyman Spurlock, who was a RTC person and a certified public accountant, and kind of the guy that Miscavige used for, um, I don't know, anything that had to do with weird finance stuff, mm-hmm. Lyman yep. was brought in as the guy to figure out how to deal with it. Right. I think it, I think the, the terminology for that is creative accounting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably it. Um, you know... There's a lot of people who have different opinions of Lyman. I um, was very, very good friends with Lyman for many, many years. He was my Scientology counselor for years and years and years. And I liked Lyman and Miscavige sort of tolerated him. He called him the the king of worker orientation, yes, which is a very right. degrading uh statement to say about anybody in Scientology being worker oriented is like being a communist especially in the C organization especially in the C organization and that came about because Lyman was always pushing for staff and C org members to get paid mm-hmm. and to get a, enough money to be able to actually live and canceling and he did this whole project to get rid of the freeloader debt, like make it so that each five years you were in the Sea Org, you basically erased your whatever, quote, freeloader debt that you had. Anyway, Miscavige tolerated him because he was a CPA and he could do financial stuff, but he didn't like him. <laughs> Just yeah. Lyman was brought to Clearwater and told that this problem of Chick and his finances needs to be resolved. And 
The fact of the matter was he had massive credit card debts. He was basically bankrupt. Um, the, the primary source of those debts uh, wasn't Chick himself. It was apparently Gale. And I don't know all of the details of everything that happened with respect to Chick's finances, but I know from hearing David Miscavige talk about it, the blame was always directed at Gale for having extravagant, buying extravagant stuff that they didn't need. And, you know, she was the, the who for Chick being bankrupt. And yeah, not, not reality, all the money he gave to Scientology, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. That and also, <laughs> count that that, that's what it was discovered in reality. That's what had happened. Yes. They spun it a different way. Right. They, they, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that because the solution that Miscavige came up with in order to infuse Chick with cash was to buy his recording studio, Mad Hatter. Yep. And Mad Hatter was this little studio in Los Angeles actually not far away from the complex. Um, it was sort of old and run down, but it had this special Neve mix board that it, it had was the GML. Neve. It was the GML, the George GML. Massenberg lab. Yeah, George Massenberg. That's right. With flying faders. Right. And th this was considered by, at least by David Miscavige, to be like, oh my God, a George Massenberg mix board. We've got to have it. We've just got to have it. Like we had, why we, we had, had one, one already at, at, yeah. at the gold base in the L. Ron Hubbard studio. There was, yeah, this, there was one and they always wanted another one. And George Massenberg had actually built another one, but it was in pieces and it was a whole, and we bought that one and it was a wipeout. So the fact that we could get another one of these, by the way, the technology by this point, you could have a you could have a 150 channel mix board in a in a three foot console because you can just um, all of the, the, <laughs> the channels are assignable. So there's no right. need to have this giant mix board from the 1980s that Chick had bought. But but that was the that was the again, that was the spin. That was the shore story for why we needed to buy this studio from chick at a, an exorbitant price that was way, way, way more than it was worth. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that it was uh, like $2.5 million or something that, that, that studio was bought. And honestly, that studio became the biggest white elephant in Scientology's history. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that thing was, then what happened, of course, is after it gets purchased and the money goes to Chick so that he can pay off his bills, it's better, blah, blah, blah. Then the Mad Hatter studio had to be fully renovated. Mm -hmm. So probably there was another, you know, million bucks spent on renovating the place. He's, um, we, did, we, we used that mix board that was in there. We took that out. And brought that and got it all refurbished and everything. And every other single person place part of that entire studio was either ripped out or redone. 
Every single right. the, the building was the only thing that we didn't change. Every right. in interior thing was thrown. It was disgustingly old and dirty and run down. The whole thing had to be just killed. Right. And then a bunch of staff had to be recruited to run the studio and then try to figure out what it was going to be used for. And it never, it, it ended up, I think, being used, Mark, to do uh, voiceover in foreign languages, like recording of voiceovers for videos that would, foreign language VOs like public service announcements and like stupid stuff. Like it was actually a glorified audition studio for a long time because we needed to do those uh, recordings in these various languages, but we didn't want to have to have hundreds of people driving up to, to the headquarters if they weren't going to work out. So they'd go to Mad Hatter, they'd record them and then they would just send us the files. And then we'd be like, okay, these, this is the person that's the person. But you're right. And they were doing like jingles because it because it was a music <laughs> recording studio as well. So they could do voice recordings, they could do music. And then it sort of became the place where if these guys were doing book audio books for author services projects, like the Meskimins and the Tate Ruperts of the world, and these they'd go and record that type of stuff over right. at Manhattan because you didn't have to be cleared. If you if you were a Scientologist and you had to go to Golden Era Productions, you had to get what was called clearances to go there because yeah. it's a top secret Scientology location that you can just look up on Google if you want to know. But yeah. um, clearances, so then, otherwise known as, <clears throat> let's interrogate you to see if you have any bad intentions, if you've been reading the internet, if you, are you planning to leave Scientology, all that kind of nonsense. Exactly. So going to Mad Hatter short circuited that you could just right. go anybody could go there. So, yeah, we spent, it was a million dollars, it was multi-million dollar project. And now they have an even more expensive studio right down the street that makes it even more useless and redundant than it was before. Yeah, I I can't imagine what they do with it now. It's probably a storage facility for CDs. (laughs) Yeah, or it's just a museum now because this used to be Chick Corea's studio and now we made it. Nice. Oh it's yeah, just... we could turn it into a uh, yes, a museum. In any event, back to Ron Moss. <clears throat> so the fall guy for Chick and Gale's financial uh, straits w- became Ron Moss because he was Chick's manager, and he was supposed to be the one that made sure that Chick was succeeding and viable. Yep. And so Ron Moss was dispatched to the int base to get an ethics handling. And that's where Claire came in because while I was in Clearwater with Miscavige and, and Lyman, Claire was at the int base where Ron Moss landed to be the the new who for why Chick Corea was uh, an enormously successful recording artist uh, with, I don't know, 25 Grammys or something. like 26, a, I think. 26. Okay, that was just a guess. But it, yeah, no, I he think is it like actually, a, I think he had 26 wi- wins, not yes. nominations, wins. I know, yeah. I know. Uh, like one of the most successful 
jazz uh, pianists ever, and yet he was bankrupt. And so, Claire, what happened at your end? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, he was the he- Ron was the head on the pike for um, this the issues with Chick's finances, and it was not common. There was only a handful of people that were ever brought to that property to be as hand- public dealt as, with as yeah. civilian Scientologists. Yeah, like Kirstie Alley, uh, Lisa Marie, Feshback, um, the Feshback brothers, <laughs> some writers, some gold writers, and some gold. Uh, yeah, like, Chicken Gale. Chicken yeah. Gale actually were the other than Tom Cruise, the only people that I know of that ever stayed at the Bonnie View guest house, which was Hubbard's house. Um, they stayed there for some amount of time while, while all of these handlings were being done. But either way, yes, Ron Moss was brought in and Marty Rathbun was to interrogate him. And, um, my role was, uh, getting him to reread the ethics book and, you know, all do, do these other steps that Marty had decided was what was going to be appropriate handling for Ron Moss. But Ron was, at least with my interactions with him, he was he was like not buying this, not in agreement with it one bit. The funniest was one, one when I first went to go work with him, um, and he was just kind of making small talk, and he was like, "Well, um, <clears throat> you know, oh, you married?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've, I'm married." And he's like, "Oh, how many years have you been married?" Oh, eight. And he was like, were you in kindergarten when you got married? And I was like, no. <laughs> anyway, whatever. He was not taking this seriously is my point in all that one bit. And um, and I, you know, I had no idea who he was, but I knew he was Chick's manager. But I, I, th- I want to say he was at that property doing that handling with Marty for at least two, three weeks. It was pretty um, intense and uh yeah. Anyway, and this was around two thousand one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and the one thing I just wanted to say is that usually, if um, David Miscavige wants something investigated, and Marty is involved, David Miscavige has already determined the outcome of the investigation, <laughs> and Marty's purpose is to confirm or just make it that way. No matter what the outcome, it, the reality of the outcome is, the outcome will be. Ron's the bad guy. Make it that way. That's that's how this is going. And then that's Marty's. That that is how Marty fits into the puzzle at that point. He goes and talks to that person, gets that person to admit that they did whatever David Miscavige suspects that they did. Yeah, right. and when the handling is complete, is once they've admitted to said accusation from David Miscavige. And Marty would be sending very, very detailed reports of every single little thing that happened every day during these handlings to to David Miscavige, Shelley Miscavige, um, et cetera, to, you know, until he, Ron Moss had recanted and admitted that, yes, he was the cause and the reason and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and And sadly... Um, Ron Moss, subsequent to that, became, you know, persona non grata. Mm-hmm. Like, he may have been tolerated, but he was no longer um, 
allowed to be part of the Chick Corea world and no longer allowed to be part of the Scientology celebrity gang. He, he became he went bankrupt. Yeah, he became a a uh, sideline, you know, someone to be sort of ke- keep a bit of an eye on to make sure he doesn't do anything completely crazy. Um, and it it's it's a testament to <coughs> how Scientology comes up with, or how David Miscavige in particular comes up with who it is that gets blamed for things and that that stigma is basically impossible to ever get rid of. Yeah. Like y- y- there are there are all sorts of people who have been stigmatized by Miscavige as the who, usually for stuff that he ordered be done, Mm-hmm. who will never, ever recover their reputation or status within Scientology. I mean, from John Eastman, the Class 12 senior CS of the Flag Service Organization, who has been a bus driver at Gold for 25 years. I don't even know how long now. And will never be anything but a bus driver to the the uh, people who may have found a, a quote, ideal org building that turned out to not be exactly what Miscavige wanted, and now those people are, you know, scrubbing dumpsters or something. Uh, it's, it, and it's not limited to just Sea Org members. It happens yeah. with public Scientologists too, and even prominent or relatively prominent public Scientologists like Ron Moss. Yeah. I wanted to show you uh, a few years ago, <clears throat> I came across a video that Ron had done and it was a, it was a music channel that wanted to do a tribute to Chick Corea because Chick Corea had just passed a few, a uh, few days before this. And, um, and this was back in February of 2021 and i'm just going to put it up here real quick let me just see if i can add it here exactly so uh, could you talk about the sensitivity of why you were fired i mean what is that about oh bloody hell do i have to talk 20 27 <laughs> years man what yeah that was the worst years of my life i mean you know i went bankrupt hmm. and my money i mean that that was a bit rough i see uh for me mm-hmm. um and and it's really the last time I ever talked to Chick. I see. I've never talked to him in twenty one years, mm. twenty years. Mm. And I, that's my only regret about him going. It's not my only regret because obviously you don't want anybody to pass away. But but the big regret for me is the fact I never got to talk to him again. The reconciliation. We could have made a reconciliation, but it's a, it's a little interesting thing that's happened. There's a possible way in his passing that I'm going to be able to uh, reconcile some things. I can't I say more than that. But, I understand. Uh, I don't exactly know what that thing at the end was. That was a little, no. Yeah, was that's a mysterious. But, yeah. but, the, but the thing I wanted 
it, it, it's sad when you think about it. Now that we've just discussed all this, he never was able to ever talk to Chick ever again. They, they, they want that him and Chick were best buds and he had done nothing wrong for 27 years. <laughs> Gail's out at the mall going wild, spending all their money. And then Ron just gets thrown right under the bus. He goes bankrupt. He never gets to, t- after 27 years of being his manager, he doesn't even get to to talk to him ever again. That's just, and that's, that's and, the tragedy and the evil of Scientology disconnection. But right. because Ron is Elizabeth Moss's dad, they can't just burn him into the ground. They have to kind of put him at, at, at a distance there and let him do his thing. And he, at, you'd think, you know, Chick had passed away. It's all done. He still never says, oh, I got burned by Scientology. If you want to watch, I'm going to put a link to that video in the description because he tells the whole history of them. He even talks about Neville Potter and Leslie Potter being Chick Korea's managers before he came along. Hmm. And they're famous Sea Org member Scientology people now. That, you know, fast forward 40-something years. But... um but regardless, this is just Scientology disconnection. It's just another form of it. Just because, really, David Miscavige decided one day, this is how this is going to go. Hey, you know, what's so also incredible about this is that Elizabeth Moss still, to this day, supports Scientology. Right. Like, she knows that this happened to her dad. Yep. She knows the whole story of what went down and how he was scapegoated and he was made the the bad guy and the friendship that he had with Chick was destroyed because Chick now wouldn't dare associate with Ron Moss after David Miscavige had predetermined that Ron Moss was the who and then after Marty was done with him, no doubt Miscavige went to Chick and said, oh, you have no idea, Chick, what Ron was doing. Oh, oh. my God. He was doing all these terrible things behind your back. And all of this made-up stuff that you know you ultimately admit to if you get sec-checked long enough. Right. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that... David Miscavige was telling Chick the day-by-day updates of what Ron had confessed to. And yes, you're right. There's no way that this this whole series of events <clears throat> did not have a significant impact on Elizabeth Moss. Of course. And yet, when she gets asked about Scientology, she's like, well, you know, you should read a book, and it's been helpful, and... You know, the mealy mouth, um, I'm not going to come out and cheerlead for Scientology because my agents will kill me. Um, But on the other hand, she will not ever say anything negative, even though her father was put through, like, that's 20 years he's talking about. Yeah. 20 years of having his life basically destroyed destroyed and she's like okay well that's just how it goes in Scientology I guess well also the other reason that this has to take place people are like well why can't they just say Gail spent the money 
Well, Chick Corea and Gail are lifelong Scientologists, and they're also OT8 Scientologists. So the fact that they can drive themselves into you know insane debt because they just can't even manage their own finances properly, that's not something an OT8 high-level lifelong Scientologist should be able to do. They have to cause be- over life. Yeah, they have right. to be a shining example of a Scientologist, not like, what do you mean you spent more than you made? That's not how it works. You know, even in Scientology, <clears throat> you're not supposed to do that. But at the same time, it couldn't just be that. It had to be, no, there was some bad guy and this whole thing was orchestrated by a bad actor um, because Scientologists aren't allowed to fail. That's just not yeah. something they can do, especially a 26 time Grammy award winning, you know, that guy needs to do better uh, yeah. as an example for them. And Chick Corea hat was during his lifetime, he was solidly and continually, continually used by Scientology as a Chick Corea, this Chick Corea, that Scientologist Chick Corea, that never wasn't there. And Chick was always, sort of a celebrity that you'd see at celebrity center and his, yep. his wife was always doing, they Chick Corea did the road to freedom album of L Ron Hubbard's work. He did a whole jazz uh, album chick. What was it called? The, the, he did a bunch of songs on this um, L Ron Hubbard music album called the spirit of play. Yeah. He did a bunch of songs on that and his children were Scientologists that went to Scientology schools. Delphi is son thad and his daughter Le- Leia went to delphi and they were one some of the first graduates so that is the reason it's not just because you know david miscavige had it out for ron moss david miscavige ron moss probably wasn't even on david miscavige's radar until this chick thing came up and then it was like okay well who's he paying money to oh he's got this he's got oh ron ron moss okay the manager is probably him let's just make him the guy you know, yeah, yeah, and and also Chick and Gail were also always front row at the events, yes, and so they were seen in the cutaways of the applause always. So they were like, like you say, Mark, they Chick in particular had to be the example of an OT8 Scientologist to the Scientology world, and a bankrupt OT8 Scientologist who's one of the biggest recording artists in the world just don't add up. Yeah. Not a good look for Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) He he could not be that. So he had to be salvaged uh, with like a, a scheme in order to figure out how to, how to get him so that that wasn't a public spectacle of him filing bankruptcy. Um, Anyway, the, these things are just yeah. So it wouldn't crazy. it wouldn't surprise me <clears throat> if um, he was conditionally declared or you know put under put under some level of like one one misstep and you will be declared as leverage to keep him quiet and and meanwhile obviously not <coughs> rock rock the boat with Elizabeth Moss who was not the big. Handmaid's Tale star that she is now, but I'm quite sure that the reason Ron Moss was not saying more about Scientology's involvement in that debacle, which obviously was 
a major life event. And you, I mean, that's just awful. His close friend, he hasn't, didn't speak to him for 20 years until, and, and then he passed away. That's, that's just disconnection at its worst. But I'm sure the reason Ron Moss was not mentioning Scientology was because of Elizabeth Moss. Right. To be fair, he does mention Scientology earlier in the vi- in that video, but it's all glowing. Mm. You know, we did this and we did that, and you know, and it, it there was no the, he didn't tell any of the hor- he he told the early days the good stuff, not the bad stuff in the in the <laughs> end. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, they probably you're right. They probably put him under a non interbulation order, which is usually what they do if they they want to shut you up, but they don't want to make you an enemy. They just want to they just want to muzzle you. So that you can't spread your your truth to other Scientologists. <laughs> yeah. And and, and yeah. I would bet that at some point in the relationship between Ron Moss and David Miscavige, because remember, Dave's dad was best buds with Ron Moss, that Ron Moss dissed Dave at some point. In some innocuous even way. Uh, you know, he commented about him. He called him short. He made some joke about Dave in some fashion and he never forgot. I would, I would almost bet my life on that. that Maybe the reason that he then suddenly became the who was because Dave I always knew that guy was an asshole. Yeah. Since since the day that he said I didn't eat my vegetables, I knew he was an SP. <laughs> I'm, I, you, just, you know what, Mike? You're right because there's one thing that L. Ron Hubbard and David Miscavige have in common, and that is they always even the score. The score. They never <laughs> forget. Never forget. Always even the score. Yep. <laughs> yep. So uh, if that just occurred to me while we were talking, actually, you're right. You're I right. hadn't thought about it before, but you know, he was convenient, but I bet that there was also a little bit more of the, um, okay, I'm going to fuck this guy over. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's sad. It is and that sad. is, a, yep. and that is a thing at the base. I mean, even <laughs> when we were there, um, David Miscavige was always giving this guy, Mark Yeager, a really hard time. Like, <laughs> He would go out of his way. You, Mike actually is lucky that Mark was there because Mike <laughs> would have gotten all of the all of the nonsense. But be, there was this other dude, Mark, who Mark Yeager, who David Miscavige grew up with. They were together right. as teenagers in the Sea Org all the way, all the way up to the top for the most part. And when David Miscavige was even on the shoot team and he was the video I see Mark was the video cameraman guy under him. And then when he became chief cameraman, Mark Yeager was the video I see under the chief cameraman. So they were always together. And there was a briefing that Marty did um, at the base. It was, I want to say it was like a two hour briefing that um, well, Marty did part of it and then Dave did part of it, but they essentially explained that Mark Yeager had been a suppressive person since he was 14 years old. And his whole purpose in life was to destroy David Miscavige period. That was his purpose for being on the earth was to destroy (laughs) David Miscavige. And we never saw this Mark guy for years. He just disappeared after that briefing. He just disappeared. Well, little did we know he had been living at the property 
And he had been the, we call them the swamp man at this point, because he had been out in the sun building a swamp fortress out of bamboo sticks. And he was out there for years and he got so tan that we didn't even know who he was anymore. <laughs> and then just like out of nowhere, David Miscavige determined that he should be back and he should go back to doing what he was doing before. After yep. years of just to punish this guy, it was like, oh, yeah, no, I know his only purpose to be on this planet was to destroy me. But he's OK now. He's good. He, he's he's compliant and he could be my my uh, my guy again. And he just went back to post just like nothing happened. And everybody was like, what? Mm -hmm. what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that happened to me, too, Mark. I, I, I was living at OGH, the old Gilman house, under guard 24 hours a day being sec-checked, and then Greg Wilhere comes down and says, you need to uh, get dressed in your uh, actual uniform and report up to the Upper Villas, the Upper Villas being Miscavige's office. RTC-ville. I'm, mm -hmm. I, like, I go from my shorts and T-shirt digging ditches to put on, uh, someone goes and finds a set of whites for me. I run up the hill. I'm waiting outside, uh, standing at attention under the little umbrella with the tables that were out the back there. Yeah. Yep. Out walks Dave. He says, sit down. I sit down. He says, I don't know why, but Jerry Pfeffer and Monique Yingling want you back in Osa. <laughs> so pack up your stuff and head to LA. You're the CEO of Osa again. I had been the LRH Purse Bureau Int for like two years or something and eventually got busted for who knows what and was out at OGH. I'm like the shit of the universe and then like that. Now I'm suddenly okay and I'm back as the CO OSA Int. Yeah. Like, it was just I was going to say the other time that that happened, Mike, was when you guys were all getting in trouble all the time, like Mark Yeager and Guillaume and all these people. And then one time you showed up to a meeting or something and you were, again, you were in whites. So normally you, um, the CMO at this time didn't wear whites. They wore blues or um, they wore just a different color scheme than RTC one uh, wore. And then all of a sudden somebody in RTC went up to Mike and said, yes, sir. Right away, sir. And I was like, am I in the twilight zone? <laughs> <laughs> and the the week before when I had seen Mike in a meeting, he was getting yelled at by David Miscavige for being the shit of the universe. And he was in CMO International or WDC or some nonsense. And then the next time I see him, the RTC staff are calling Mike, sir. And then I asked somebody, I was like, what's going on? They, oh, Mark's in charge of RT. Or Mike is Mike Rinder is in charge of RTC now. And I'm like, am I, am I in the twilight zone for real? And so like these things would happen. And then, of course, you know, a year later, Mike was back into shit again, of course, but he wasn't running RTC. <laughs> but um, my, but my little, tenure running RTC was very, very limited. I want to say it was a few months at least, though, right? Uh, maybe a few weeks. A few weeks. Okay. What do you think, Claire? It was, I mean, Claire was my. Isn't that when you guys crashed like my, into each other? Yeah. Yeah. But Claire was my saving grace when <laughs> because she was the DIG internal. She was in charge of the internal RTC. And so she was sort of, she looked after me. Yeah. The only person that did. Everybody else was 
exceedingly resentful. Yeah, uh, they did not like the fact that suddenly I show up and now Miscavige is telling them they have to listen to me and I have to run the product conference at RTC daily. And I mean, it was like it, but that isn't even the most bizarre one. The most bizarre one was when I was living in a pup tent on the golf course with Wendell, Guillaume and Mark Yeager there were two pup tents and we shared and uh was it the army ones the yeah old, yeah the ones burlap that, army ones or do you guys get actually good ones no 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 they were shitty yeah and the, and that was when miscavige would have the the uh, sprinklers turned on in the middle of yeah. the night and these yeah. things leaked like that's one of his that's one of his go-tos as soon as you get in that tent you better make sure that you got something covering those sprinklers because around three o'clock in the morning you're going to get a rude alarm clock. <laughs> but yep. but from go, from being in the tent to him zooming up on his on his Yamaha with Lou in tow, screeching to a stop, us running out and standing at attention and him saying, "Okay, you mofos, uh you may be all sucking dick out here and blah 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 blah." whatever uh but the people that are left behind over there that are trying to put on this may 9th event they're even worse than you are so you assholes you go take over the event and fly to clear water and do the event <laughs> and like the next day i was standing on stage at the ruth eckard auditorium in a tuxedo <laughs> yes I wrote about this in my book. Yeah, There's so a section bizarre. of the book where I say, you know, Mike Rinder is full of shit and he was probably digging a ditch. And then they're like, and then I said, no, I'm being 100% serious. Full he was digging in the shit before he went to that event. And then oh my God. he stopped doing that and went to the event. And I was digging in that same stuff. And it took me days to get that poo out of my pores and out of my body. So when he was on that stage, he was technically and legitimately <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> oh, these stories are so aye, insane. Aye. Should we do um should we do some questions? Sure. Okay, so um, this is from Love Food Kitchen. I'll let Claire read them because that uh, minimizes my yapping and uh, increases her <laughs> yapping, which is okay. always a, a good thing. Yes, I agree. Love Food Kitchen. Did Mark choose the three least flattering photos he could? What is that thing on JT's chin? TC looks like the Ma Madame Tussauds. Madame Tussauds. Waxwork of himself. And Chick looks like my granny showing off her new perm. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Love Food Kitchen. I just chose, I just type in the person's name and say images and whatever's there, I grab. I'm not, you know... I do tend to grab the less flattering Miscavige photos when I do this for thumbnails. But other than that, it's fair, fair. Everyone's photo gets a, uh, gets a chance. There you go. <laughs> Kelly Cavanaugh. Mike, I recently finished your book. Mark, I just started yours. Nice. Oh, Yay. thanks, Kelly. Thank Hope you. Hope you enjoyed it. Marie de Jesus Gutierrez in the house. Hello. Glad to see you all. Glad to see you too, Maria. We appreciate you being here. And thank you for the super chat. Thank you, Maria. 
Question, uh, does it matter to you, not to me? Question, has the reach for the aftermath increased since the squirrel squad started at the HW test center? Um, speaking generally, we've definitely had a significant increase in people reaching for help to the Aftermath Foundation. Um, we have many new programs that are helping people. So I don't, um, and we've certainly gotten a lot of calls. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gur Roar, could we see the cover art again, Mike? Oh, certainly. There we go. Perfect. There we go. There you go. Very cool. I love it. Nice. Oh, there's the back. We didn't even get to see that before. Nice. And it does have updated content inside of it. It's got some new goodies. The new afterword. Nice. That's amazing. Joshua Armenta in the house. LOL. And now Elena Rogero is the star of Mad Hatter. (laughs) (laughs) She was a, she was a, uh, an Italian. I want to say she was an Italian um, singer. Singer. Who won the freedom medal. Yes. Yep. That's right. Little, little tiny Elena with a big voice. Rosie Dozy. Paul McCartney recorded there in the 1980s. It was state of the art then. Oh, yes. there you go. Yes, I know one of my um one of my fellow students at Delphi, her mom was the receptionist at Mad Hatter and um she would always tell us when wh- who was going there whenever there was recordings. She would be like, "Oh, we had chick, we're going to have this chick was in town and he came and McCartney was, and we'd be like, "Oh, well, bloody dog." Yes, apostate Alex. They remade one of the Super Bowl ads while I was on staff so that the VO was a British accent for TV here. Pretty sure it never even aired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That's, uh, that's very uh that's a very um frequent occurrence in Scientology. We remake stuff that never sees the light of day. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Betsy Sue, thanks for all all three of you do. Thanks for that, Thank Betsy Sue. Nice to see you here. Aunt Pity Pat Hamilton, the irony of her being in The Handmaid's Tale. I know. Seriously, I was I had refused to watch that show. And then I thought, you know, I really like the book. I watched the show for the sole purpose of taking notes as to how hypocritical that is. <laughs> and my notes were pretty extensive, let me tell you. <laughs> Gizm K, To the Stars by Chick Corea Electric Band was dedicated to L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and a lot of the, um, I think in the, um, what was the other band, Re- Return to Forever, there was a lot of for ten- uh, Return to Forever, uh, musicians that appeared on albums over the years that were involved with Scientology, even Stanley Clark, because was kind of in, was kind of out, was kind of dabbling. But all these different people that uh, Chick would use were all also kind of orbiting around Scientology, too. Yep. Uh, Gizm K. So Scientology made Chick disconnect from him. So sad. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Tragedy. Uh, Minnie, Hollywood is hiring these people. They have to take responsibility for their role in the cult. Yep. Yeah. Well, I agree. That's what we're kind of trying to get the word out about all this. So people can stop pretending they, oh, I didn't even know. Yep. Japan of Green Gables. Question. Is Elizabeth Moss's mother a devout Scientologist? Yes, absolutely. 
Amanda Dale. Super sticker. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for being here. Uh, one, two, three, get in, can send fry. Super interesting about Chick Corea's studio that they made it into a production studio for Scientology propaganda makes it all <laughs> even more sad. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Ver Vernon Salvatierra. Mark, was Eliz Elizabeth's dad a practicing Scientologist when he died? I, I think he was still playing along. He wasn't talking smack about them, but I doubt that he was going over to the Celebrity Center and doing his communication course. If you yeah. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't have let him be on any upper levels or anything after all that happened with um, Marty Rathbun. Yeah. 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 This is a follow-up question. I We don't really um, talk about the people that we're um, dealing with at, at the aftermath unless they choose to tell their story. Yes. So even though we may be hearing from people or we may be doing stuff, we, we, we really don't expect and we don't require that they um, – uh, go on YouTube or do a video or do anything as part of the, of getting help or getting assistance or doing or volunteering for the aftermath. None of that. Um, we don't use, we're not, we're not mining the, the content, uh, the aftermath people for content. Like in the case of Serge or the case of Rosemary or Catherine or one of these people that you've seen tell the story, they said, I want my story told. I would like to uh, let other people know that this exists and, and and they can get help from the aftermath. And that's why we do it. So until that point, we just don't talk about them. Yeah. It's important to reiterate that help from the foundation is not um, dependent or uh, speaking out is not a requisite for, yeah. for be receiving that help. And very oftentimes the people we help are starting over with absolutely nothing. Right. So, and, and, and add to that, the speaking out about Scientology at all for especially for people who grew up in Scientology or have spent many years or have lost family. There's a lot of trauma in this space and we work very hard to be respectful of that. Yeah. Also speaking out may not be the best thing for some people to do right, right. when they get out, That's getting right. back on their feet and getting their mind around <clears throat> what's happened to them for their whole life is more important than, uh, likes or clicks on YouTube. If you 100%. Want. Look who's here. Oh, oh Dr. X. Quick <laughs> hi. Back to school crew. Sorry to hear you were hit for six, six, Mike. That's Sending... a cricket. That's a cricket term, Claire. <laughs> oh, yeah. That went way over my head. <laughs> could you tell by the blank look on my face? <laughs> yes, I could. <laughs> the sticks. Um, yeah. Uh, Oh, that's awesome. Sending blessings for speedy recovery. Mike, did David Miscavige view you as a threat, but needed you for events and get stuff actually done? So he kept you around, but in the hole. I, yeah, my answer is to that is yes. Yes. I would answer that. Yes, too. Uh, that's actually a pretty good summation. You know, one sentence summation of my relationship with David Miscavige. Like when he needed me, I was really important when he didn't, I was the shit of the universe, but the shit of the universe was always kept around in case he needed me again. Yes. And kept under very, very tight <laughs> control. 
Yeah. yeah. I think also David Miscavige genuinely does need a stable of people that he can yell at that don't lose their mind because there are many people where he just never talked to those people. And as soon as he did, they, they were gone. They would, he would literally run into somebody that he'd never spoken to and he would treat them how he treats Mike or Guillaume or anyone. And the person would escape the, that night just from having a conversation with Dave, they'd be like, Oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So he, he needed some people that he could yell at and he could beat on that weren't just going to disappear the next day too. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, Christy Colburn Rinder. Carrie, it's the same book, just a paperback edition with a new afterword. There you there go. There you go. I kind of I said there was new stuff in there and somebody had to explain what I was talking about. Yes. I also just just for general public information, recorded the afterword so the there will be a new edition of the audiobook Ooh. now with the afterword added. Cool. Fancy. Nice. Mm. Congratulations. Guror. Question mark. What is your all-time favorite sideband of Depeche Mode band and track? Is it Yaz Martin Gore Erasure? It's it's, uh, VCMG. That's Vince Clark, who is one of the original members, and Martin Gore. They do albums, and I really do like their stuff. Thanks for that, Guror. That's some seriously deep Depeche Mode (laughs) trivia right there. It sure is. Metalhead, Super Chat, at Mike, when you were sick in the hospital, have you ever looked back at your life, reflect on your career in the Sea Organization, and regret not smoking enough cigarettes? <laughs> I had to put that one up. I thought that one was well, hilarious. Well, fortunately, Metalhead, I don't have lung cancer. And Hubbard says that not smoking enough causes you to have lung cancer. So probably not. <laughs> you know, I never made this connection. But John Page, who we've talked about in a few, I don't know if you remember John Page. Um, he also went by Oliver Page or Oliver Wheatcroft Page, Wheatcraft Page or Wheatcroft Page, I can't remember. But regardless, he said giving Gavin Potter's dad, Neville, is Gavin Potter the son of uh, Neville and Leslie Potter? I always thought Not so. Leslie. But oh, Neville, different, different mother. Neville is Gavin Potter's father. I yes. never knew that. That is amazing to me. Yes, and then there was a girl too. I can't remember her name. Um, Leanne. Leanne. But that was James' wife. That was James Potter's wife. Oh yeah. no, James is Neville's. Oh, son. Gavin Potter. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gavin so Potter is Gavin not Neville's Potter. son. No. Okay, there you go. Sorry, I was thinking James while you were reading Gavin, and then of course Gavin is the okay. uh, Yeah. So for all those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, there was a steward (laughs) member that was at the base, and his name was James Potter, and he was sort of like the person that was supposed to promote L. Ron Hubbard's writings and doing things like L. Ron Hubbard at the property of the base, and one day. He was on the internet, which I don't exactly know why he had access to the internet, but he did because have he was a because he was a PRO. Yeah. Oh, because he that- was doing stuff and trying to promote. He was called upon to send emails and do different stuff for for that post. <clears throat> well, David Miscavige <laughs> was in the building because David Miscavige would meet in these buildings um, where these guys would work 
Um, that's where he would meet to figure out the events and do script writing because it was right next to where the editing bays were and where he had to watch all the, the shots that were shot by the shoot crews. Since he had to do that anyway, it was convenient for him just to work and move his offices to these conference rooms where, where, where James was on the internet. And I don't know why. James, maybe not the best, uh, not the sharpest <laughs> tool in the shed. He was looking, he had searched David Miscavige and he was looking at pictures of David Miscavige on the internet. And in one of those pictures, someone was holding a pew pew to David Miscavige's head in a picture on the internet. And David Miscavige was standing behind James while he was looking at that on the computer. And um, yeah, we didn't hear from James. for a Yeah, bit. that was the yeah. end of old James. That would be a situation of curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so John, I don't think that Gavin, I don't know that, I don't know the relation of Gavin Potter to the us. And also, is it Neville? It is Neville Potter and it is Gavin Potter, but I don't know. We have to uh, James, find somebody yeah, who James knows. Potter. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So there you go. We don't know the answer to that. In other words, after all of that discussion. Oh, here's a great one from Gina. Gina, Mike, when you were in OSA, how would you try to handle "quote unquote" the TikTok protesters? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they can do about this. Close down the test center, like just abandon it. Do it. Um, I, it's funny. They're doing the same old things, though, Mike. You know I what know. they're doing? They're playing music. I know. We, at the Gold Base, we realized early on, if there's protesters on the highway, you just have to get some speakers and point the speakers at the protesters. Because YouTube, if you play music, it also drowns out their dialogue, so they can't really say anything. But if YouTube detects that there's a song on in your video, That's it'll demonetize your video. Yeah. So Scientology's been doing this for years. They just play music and then they they <clears throat> and they can't they have to walk away. But the way YouTube works now, it's not really that doesn't really work. It has to be you have to Isn't be using it considered the fair use in that in that context. I don't fair know. use is one thing, but monetizing it using someone else's oh, music, I see, you yeah. can't do that. So right. it basically takes the incentive away for you to go there because it, your video is not going to make any money if you record it there. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but that's I, not even a good, that's not it's even not really a good enough. solution. It's not bulletproof. They're, Luckily they're, for Mike, he's not there and doesn't have to deal with this. I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's on the other side of it now. So yes. it's like, hey, and the other thing is people, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be disrespectful to people asking questions, but people have uh, commented on videos like, hey, why aren't you at the protest? I live in Colorado. I have a day job. I can't just pop up. We over have there. three kids and uh, yeah. day have, jobs. And <laughs> I got a lot of stuff happening. And also, I have to travel for work. And if that work is not near a protest, I'm not going to be there. So right. um, that's the answer to that. But um, I'm not. I'm not going to dissuade anyone from doing anything. Um, we, on our channel, we're trying to get as much of the, um, information out there on Scientology because in Scientology, the Scientologists that are watching these videos, the more information they can get that they have been cut off from, that is the information that's going to help them make better decisions because they're operating with limited information. 
They're yeah. only right. getting the information that David Miscavige is giving them. And if we give them the behind the scenes stuff, then they could make a more appropriate decision about Scientology. Right. Yep. And, and also from my perspective, uh, just my experience in Scientology and dealing with these things in the past is that um, to some extent, people standing outside of buildings, quote, protesting reaffirms in the minds of those people inside those buildings that it's just a bunch of assholes out there who are all seeking the destruction of Scientology. And it doesn't accomplish the objective of getting people to think about what's going on here and is this really something that I want to continue to be involved in. It is something that tends to reaffirm for them what they're being told by the Scientology policies of Hubbard and Miscavige and co that you see, this is proof that we just need to work harder because there are, there are the crazy SPs are going crazy the world. The <laughs> SPs are going crazy. It means that we are succeeding and that is the the mindset of a Scientologist. Um, as much as as those people in general are well intentioned, I don't think that unless you can get, uh, unless you can understand the mindset of the people that you're addressing, are you going to be very successful at accomplishing anything with them? And yeah. it is my view that information that they have not had access to is far more important than seeing people telling them that they're assholes. Yeah. The, the other thing is that it might be very um, <clears throat> impinging or um, doing something to maybe somebody who's at the in individual test center as that's a Sea Org member that you're talking to that might it might not be the worst thing to do to give them the aftermath number or something like that. Right. But to get thousands of Scientologists out, we have to just give them, just get as much information out as possible and get as many stories out as possible. And that's the other yep. thing. There's people that are in Scientology that knew about this Ron Moss story. There's probably a hundred or so Scientologists that knew about this whole thing but they didn't really know what happened. They just yep. knew something happened and Ron's in trouble and he don't talk to chick anymore, but they and don't know. He doesn't anything mention else. anything about it. And we yeah. have, it's just a mystery, but we know better than to ask ourselves. That's and right. One of those people has now heard this. That may be the thing that they go. Okay. Suddenly a whole lot of stuff makes sense to me. Suddenly, they start doubting all sorts of other things exactly. that have happened. So, and also, it just puts another stack on David Miscavige's little log fire of nonsense. That another thing that he did that makes it so. That's the other thing you you gotta understand about Scientology is they will leave Scientology if they believe that David Miscavige is not doing what L. Ron Hubbard said he should do. And then when they leave Scientology, then they might find out that L. Ron Hubbard wasn't the best dude either, which we covered <laughs> in a video yesterday. So it's one of these things where they need a, they kind of need a reason 
that follows Scientology logic to leave Scientology. As insane as that sounds, that is how Scientology is wired and how they brain, you know, trip you or whatever you want to call it. Okay, we're going to answer a few more questions and we're going to do a giveaway. Um, Citizen Cone, thank you for the super sticker. That's very generous of thank you. Thank you. And then another Depeche Mark, Mark, how do you feel about New Order? I feel great about New Order. Blue Monday is awesome. I also like the Bizarre Love Triangle, and I have some of the vinyl behind me. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Kathy. Appreciate <laughs> it. Okay. Now, we're going to do merch, right? Yep. yep. Merch, merch and then giveaways. Mike's book. Yeah. We're going to do a merch well, giveaway, merch. and then we're going to do, um, you know, we're going to do uh, a book giveaway. And uh, so if you want one of those things, get in the comments and say merch or book or whichever one you want. And we're going to do any meeny, miny, mo, and we're going to pick one. And it's not going to be you, Matt, Denny, because you won yesterday. How can I do something out there? Anyway, um, here we go. You ready? Get. I'm going to give people a few minutes to get in there. Um, I'm seeing. I the just. Comments. I just want to um, pick up on one comment here. Yeah. This Downtown latest Abby. one that Red Lane. Red okay. Lun. Oh yeah, what's, here what's I got it. Up? Can I got you bring it. That I, up? Yep, let me find it. Hold on. Oh, sorry, working on it. Here we go. Perfect. The protesters aren't trying to get them out. They are trying to stop new ones from going on. Exactly. From on going in. You missed the point of the protesters. You're all trying to do good things hot from different angles. That's yeah. exactly right. We weren't saying the protesters. I'm not accomplishing anything. Yeah. The question was, why are we not out there? Well, I live in Florida. Mark lives in Colorado. (laughs) So we're doing what we can do. Yes. I agree that, uh, as I said, I would close down that Hollywood test center. They have effectively shut down the inflow line for Scientology through the test center on Hollywood Boulevard. Yep. There isn't anybody going in there because when they go to take a step inside, there are a bunch of people outside saying, you know, this is a cult. You know, yeah. this, this is Scientology. You <laughs> Which know, this is, is amazing. Hubbard. You know, this, <laughs> you know that. And that, <laughs> that has shut down that test center. Yeah. I'm he, not dissing that at yeah. all. And I didn't mean to if I, I sounded like I was. Yeah. I was saying we are doing what we can do and what yeah. we think is going to accomplish getting people out of Scientology. Uh, yeah. we, we don't have a whole lot of, of uh, ability to do anything about, you know, potentially new people coming in other than providing information. But yeah, uh, I think it's great. I think <laughs> if they, I think if they, keep doing it i think they will shut that test center down because it's yes. not gonna it's not gonna stop until they do really i don't know i don't know what the tiktoker guys are right. gonna do but but you can see there's william videos with william where they they have these test center guys are have engaged a family of people and when he comes up they, they skedaddle they just go like oh wait what it's a cult and he also knows a little bit of spanish so he'll tell them it's a cult in spanish and most of the people that they're getting that's another thing that is very disproportionate in that hollywood area is a lot of these people they're getting in are foreigners i did notice that a lot of the people that they're engaging with are foreigners so the test center know what they can and can't uh who they can and can't get in so yeah 
That is yeah. the reason we're not there. And the TikTokers, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm not telling anybody how to do anything. If they want to do it that way, do it that way. If that's what works for them, do it that way. Um, and um, yeah, there you go. Okay. What is this? Okay. Uh, giveaway. Oh, yes. Giveaway. I'm. Go- oh, I had, to, I had to go back to the live ones. I had to catch up. I was like, I don't see any comments. Now they're oh. all. <laughs> We're like, no, hurry up and stop talking. I'm we like, told people to comment and they're doing on. it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Mary Kay London. Awesome. Congratulations. Please send me an email, claire at blownforgood.com with the link to the item in the merch store you would like, and I will send you a giveaway link. Thank you. Perfect. And Lord Zenu, like I'm going to give you any merch. You have a whole line of merch. You don't need merch. Um, okay. okay. Now we're going to do a special before um, available in bookstores near you. Mike's paperback version of his book. And I will count three, two, one, and randomly. Oh, I can't. You I just can't said, bring tell up me a which comment. one, and I'll grab it. Oh, you just pick one. Okay, here you go. They're going by Wiggly fast. Wiggly woo. Wiggly woo. Book. Thank you. Love you all. Okay, uh, Wiggly woo. Send an email to me on my blog, and let me know what your name is and your address, and what you would like me to write in the book, and I will be forwarding it to you forthwith and immediately well actually not because i'm going out of town tomorrow but i will do it at some point you have to get some or you're gonna you're gonna send them that one i'm gonna send them this one i've got like three or four here so i'm gonna send them this one nice congratulations wiggly woo yeah i gotta sign it i will wiggly woo make sure sure. wiggly woo (laughs) what a great Um, name if you guys are watching on the Blown for Good channel, um, make sure you head over to Mike's channel and like or subscribe over there. And if you're watching on Mike's channel, then come over here and do that. We try to get that. Um, we don't, uh, not all of us in the YouTube world uh, do this as our full time job. Some of us do other things. So, as an incentive, uh, it helps when you like and subscribe to the channel and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, that gives us a, a reason to keep coming back and doing this, besides getting people out, which is also a, a very good incentive. Yep. Um, I think we got everything. There was one, uh, there's one more um, uh, super chat. I'm just going to do it because I don't actually know the answer. Why do some famous vocal SPs, such as Brisker, they're talking about Mitch Brisker, who used to be a director uh, hired by Scientology, not have hate sites on them when others, such as this whole panel, do. <laughs> uh, they're too busy. I I, re- I was just going to say they just don't have enough people to do all this stuff anymore. They also do have a they have a little bit of a weird um, thing with Mitch is that he was he wasn't in the C organization. Right. So he didn't sign any of these documents that we signed. And I don't know that they want to, if I think if they, if he brought up any, if they brought up any dirt on him, that they would have only would have been able to obtain in confessionals or things like that. It would sort of be like, that's the only possibility that they did that to him. And I think they, I think people are going to see right through that. Whereas we worked there for years and years and years, and they know every single thing about us because we grew up in there. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And and our the site on us, the hate site on Mark and I at least, has been up since like 2010 or 11. No, it was before the book came out. We had a hate site. Okay. So it's been up since like 2000. You know what? That's a good question. I think it came out when Going Clear came out, whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're. Uh, yeah. We just updated it when the aftermath came out. But yeah, the they, same, they, uh, template that they use for everybody they else. They can't keep up with everyone getting the heck out of Scientology to do hate sites on everybody speaking <laughs> yeah. out. Look at the many, many voices on YouTube. That's a whole lot of websites that they can't keep up with, which is amazing. And every voice yeah. counts. Every yep. every every person yeah. in this space has is contributing to this effort. So amazing. Yeah, we yep. need to get like an SP level uh, chart. That you get, you know, if you do a book, you get five. No, points. we don't. Do a, we don't need that. Do a TV show, you get this many points, <laughs> and then we should just tell Scientology these are the guys you need to work on, not us. We're we just over. You just have the YouTube. Oh god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think I, I'm still going to say it. If you're doing it right, you got a hate site, okay? <laughs> and if you don't have a hate site, it doesn't mean you're not doing it right, but I don't know. I just that's that's Mark just, just loves his little slogan that he thought up, which is very yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you everybody who joined us today. If you're listening on um the podcast, uh come over and you can see our ugly mugs over here on YouTube, uh, me and Mike, and then uh, my beautiful wife over here. And um, if you're watching on YouTube and you do like to do these in the car, then uh, you might want to go to the description. You can check out the podcast and all that good stuff. And it, and, and actually I don't have to do this anymore because I got this fancy uh, end ad and outro. So uh, thanks for everybody who joined us today and um, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to help support the channel, feel free to check out the merch store link in the description. We have Hail Xenu, Xenu is my homeboy, and BFG branded mouse pads, shirts, mugs, all sorts of other stuff in there that helps us to bring you new content on a regular basis. You can also pick up a copy of my book, Blown for Good, Behind the Iron Curtain of Scientology, in hardback, Kindle, and Audible versions as well. There's also a link to our podcast, and you can get that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to watch another video, you can click on this link right here, or you can click on this one here, or you can click on the subscribe button right here. Thanks a lot. Until next time.